setup is going to be basically they're going to give have a chance to share, but the real dynamic in this group is I want to encourage you is to be thinking about questions that you'd want to ask them uh, related to their topic, and then um, so we'll have a Q and A time after their presentation is over. So be thinking about that as they say something. Think about a question as a way of blessing the group too. Like it may not be necessarily even a question that is burning on your mind, but you know it is a key question that uh, comes up in marriages. So sometimes we can ask questions, not necessarily out of lack of personal interest, but we're asking those questions only because we know it's a significant issue. So I, I know you would appreciate that too. Yeah, and we would add to that that we don't ask you to hold your questions. We would prefer, let's if you got a question that pops in your mind, raise your hand. Let's get to it, and if we go down a rabbit trail, that's great. That's what we're here for. Um, I got to tell you, I'm still, I think we both are still basking in the glow of, of the message we just heard. Uh, so if you didn't have a chance to, uh, to attend this morning, then I would really, really suggest that you find it online. It'll be online later this afternoon. Um, Laura and I really consider it uh, an honor to, to be here to, to share our marriage journey. <clears throat> we're, uh, and you'll find this out very quickly if you already haven't found it out, is that we're, we're amateur speakers in, in those terms. Um, and it makes especially so when, when we follow a hard act like the Sanchez's from last week. Um, but we're glad to be here. You know, you, know, you realize you're old <clears throat> when you attend a wedding, which we did a few weeks ago, <laughs> and from some dear friends <clears throat> who are here in this room. Um, and they do the dance where, you know, you get out on the dance floor, everybody dances, and they say, if you've been married for one year, leave the dance floor. Or 10 minutes. Yeah, or 10 <laughs> minutes, right. If you've been married for five years, 10 years, 15 years, well, guess who was the last couple on the dance floor? <laughs> we were. Now, in all fairness, there was there another was couple that chose not to dance that actually would have won the prize, but in that particular day, you know, you're that we were the old couple. So um, we understand that and, and we kind of, in, in our own way, we relish that. You all, you're also know that you're old when you watch the father or the groom get down on the dance floor <laughs> and do the routine, Michael Jackson routine to, um, what was it? Billie Jean. Billie Jean. <laughs> and then you're the one that ends up feeling sore the next day. <laughs> so anyway, we had a lot of fun. We've been married 44 years. We just celebrated that a couple weeks ago, and we're very quick to say that um, every one of those years is really a testimony to God's grace and His mercy. Uh, so, whatever we say today, don't don't forget that's the case. And so we're we're more than willing to to share, uh, and we we don't go through all of our mistakes or successes here today. We pick a couple that were really kind of key to us and important, but. We're willing to talk about any others too. So as we said earlier, we want this to be a really transparent time. We want you to ask questions. No questions are out of bounds at all. It doesn't mean we'll necessarily have an answer for you, but uh, we want this to be a real transparent, relaxed uh, time of give and take. Um, and two other things I would mention. Um, everything that we talk about here today, we want to try and point back to scripture. Uh, that's our basis, that's our foundation. Um, and the second thing is that this is not uh, a session where we're going to make suggestions of, of, of self-help nature where you can really improve your marriage. You can only do the things we talk about with the strength of, of the Holy Spirit and God in your life. And our prayer is that everyone here is Christ followers and they have the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. So uh, I'd like to begin with a prayer um, and then Lori's going to kind of set the table of our story and then we'll jump into it. So let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be here today. Um, and as we've already said, there is absolutely no wisdom in this room in any way, shape, or form other than the wisdom that you have imparted upon us through your word, the life of your son, uh, and all that you have taught us through him and your word. And we just, we acknowledge that readily, uh, and we thank you for that. And if we say anything here today that's not truth, we just ask that it would very quickly drop to the floor and be forgotten. Mm -hmm. So thank you again for this opportunity. Help us to be uh, clear, transparent, give honor to you in everything we say and do. Mm -hmm. Thank you for all of these things, but most of all, thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
So I'll just give a little background on our story, where we started. We um, were high school sweethearts in, at Pullman High School. I was a junior and he was a senior when we first started dating. Um, we dated for five years before we were married. I think we should get credit for 49 years <laughs> instead of 44, <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. Um, and then Stan was commissioned in the Marine Corps and we left well, we had finished our education in Spokane and left for travels around the world, is what it ended up being. Um, so our, our first place was Virginia, then we went to um, Arizona, then Florida, then Hawaii, where we had a child in Hawaii. Then we went to Okinawa, Japan, where we had another child, came back to um, Kansas City, and then he got out of the Marine Corps and we moved to Dallas where we had our third child. Um, and then ended up in Spokane and we've been in Spokane about 26 years. Yeah? I'm sorry to interrupt already. Were you guys already following Christ? Yes. Yes, we were so blessed I, to be Christ followers from the time we began dating. Doesn't mean we always acted like it, but uh, yes, we were both Christ followers. Yeah, I he at a young age and me at, um, in high school. In high school. Well, after we moved to, my family moved to Pullman, I got involved in Young Life. And we had an amazing leader. And just hearing the gospel, I loved church. I loved God. But then realized, oh, there's a big hole here. I, I kind of missed the Christ being, you know, Lord of my life kind of thing. So, um, so yes, we, we ended up, he, I went to his church because the church my parents went to didn't even preach the gospel and um, and that caused a lot of issues no one in my fa extended family is a Christ follower so um, anyway uh, so the dynamics of being away is hard but I think that that really cemented our relationship because um, it was 18 years we were away from family and I know it's hard to imagine but this is a time without cell phones or FaceTime or computers or any easy way to connect with family it was a very expensive phone call it when we had our child in Japan it was fifty dollars to call for a ten-minute phone call to let my parents know the baby had been born so just you know it's it's just kind of a different world I know it's hard for you youngsters <laughs> exactly <to understand. laughs> how how difficult this was <laughs> Um, so our, our kids now, our oldest uh, is married and has two children and they live in Walla Walla. Um, our middle one is married with four children now and they live in Grand Forks, North Dakota and our youngest, our daughter, is married with three kids and they live in Whitehorse, Yukon Territory. So she is a Canadian, yes. Um, She's still American, She's she, gets had, she gets to have dual citizenship. Um, but yeah, so we, we now are learning about Canadian hockey because that's where our grandkids are at. And so anyway, it's, uh, it's, it, it's good. So we have nine grandkids, if you were counting, eight of which are boys. And we're very jealous of the, the couples we meet in the church who have family very close. Yes, you know, we are. Grandkids very close. Very Basically, hard. all of our time and resources <laughs> are now consumed with making that triangle move you know visiting 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 which we love but um you know it that's it exhausts all of the resources and, and time and all of our children are christ followers <clears throat> some at different levels of their walk but they're all where god has called them to be as hard as it is for us as parents to have them so far away mm -hmm. so okay thanks um so as i said earlier we want to tie what we talk about today to some meaningful passage and if you have a Bible or a, a device, I think is the term nowadays, if you would turn to Philippians 2, I would like to read a section of Scripture. This section of Scripture is very familiar to us. Uh, actually, Colin taught on it just a few weeks ago. Uh, it's one of the more amazing passages in, in the New Testament. And you really don't think of it as necessarily applying to marriage, but we're going to talk through how it very much applies to marriage as well. So I'll start with verse 2 and read through... Uh, verse 11. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, 
but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself, uh, made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that's a text that we normally um, review and, and are taught and claim in terms of promises that creates a sense of great humility in us and motivates us uh, to serve others with an attitude of selflessness as opposed to selfish, selfishness, excuse me. Uh, but that's a big part of, of marriage. And as we're going to talk about, we, we had no idea uh, when we began our marriage that this was the approach you should take, even as Christ followers, young Christ followers, immature in their walk. Uh, we had no idea that this was the model that has been laid out for, uh, laid out for us in Scripture. And the amazing thing, and I think you've probably experienced too as well, is that when you learn some things in your life, you don't even really relate them back to Scripture. You don't know the theology behind them, but God in His grace teaches you these principles anyway. And then you get to be older like us, and you point back and you say, aha, that's, that's from there. That's, that's His truth that He, he, he uh, filled into our lives. So. Um, that's kind of where we're trying to go. God is gracious in teaching us these things. And it was that way with us. Um, he began teaching us that the model of love and submission that we see so clearly in that text is um, between the Trinity. Now we know the Trinity is kind of a hard thing for us to understand and a, and a, a mysterious concept, and we're going to talk more about that. But we see that example, and that's the same kind of love and submission that we strive to accomplish in our marriage. And again, this is not happening day one or even year one or year two in our marriage. This is something that's taken a long time and has culminated actually in the last five or 10 years uh, through some uh, amazingly gracious ways. Um, so Jesus was <clears throat> willing to accept his role of a servant who will, <clears throat> as the verse tells us, actually die in service to his father uh, and he does it wholly voluntarily, and he does it as a gift. And it's that same concept, that same approach that we should be applying in our marriages to each other. Uh, and ultimately, as it led to Jesus' greater glory, as we just read in the verse, it will also lead to our greater glory in a sense of how we treat our, our spouse as well. Um, this was all really brought home to us recently we had the privilege of uh, doing some premarital counseling for a dear couple, uh, dear friends of ours. And we read, we got into this book that we had read before, um, but uh, I just I can't recommend this enough, whether you've been married, how long now? Three weeks? Or whether you've been married 44 years or even more. Um, it's called The Meaning of Marriage. It's co-written by Timothy and Kathy Keller, who probably a lot of you know. Um, but it just has some amazing revelations in there that you might not have heard uh, voiced in a particular way that can be very, very meaningful to your marriage. It has been very, very meaningful uh, to ours um, as well. And it's pointed out the fact that in, in their own vernacular, they remind us that as a husband and as a wife, we have roles to play. And in a very special sense of the term, they're called Jesus roles. In other words, he did set some examples for us that we as man and wife need to follow. I'm sure that you have figured out that service and sacrifice are probably not intuitive in your marriages when you first start out. Um, they, don't, they don't naturally come as a way to filter everything that you do and say. Um, our, our first child was uh, born when we lived on base in Hawaii. We had just moved there 
three months prior to his birth. So I didn't know anybody. And we, um, it, it was lonely. We were away from home. I'm pregnant and, and then have this child and felt somewhat isolated. I mean, military people are, are you kind of make surface friendships, but getting into a church is hard. Uh, it's a process, and you have to be quick because you're going to be moving. And I don't know, it's, it's a hard situation. So um, apparently a young Marine officer stationed in Hawaii is expected to play golf every Saturday. <laughs> and I have this baby that I've been home with all day, all week long, and no matter how early he started, it seemed to always take the entire day. And uh, I, would, I was irritated, I was alone, I was jealous of the time he got to spend with others. And that was a, that was a really, really tough thing. Um, was not going through the filter of sacrifice and you know service and all that kind of stuff on my part, but I also felt like, what is the matter with you? Why do you not understand where I'm coming from on this? <laughs> so it took a, a number of, that was probably one of our first big conflicts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it took a while to come up with a compromise, which we did. But yeah. Well, while being months. Let, let me give you my perspective here. It's a little bit of a defense, but it's a really weak defense. Um, okay, Hawaii golf courses for a young officer in the early 1980s were like some of the nicest golf courses in the world. Uh, most of the time it was either low or no cost at all. Um, and then I was trying to convince my wife that, well, wait a minute now. I'm golfing with my peers and a lot of times with my superiors and I'm getting FaceTime and exposure. These are the guys who write my fitness, fitness report. I'm kind of taking one for the team. <laughs> well, that, that really didn't fly and, you know, I could come up with all kind of lists of Exactly. <laughs> I could kind of come up with all kind of lists of excuses, but, um, you know, does, does any of this sound familiar to you? Have you had experienced a conflict where maybe one has an interest that might get a little bit out of balance compared to the other? Anybody want to share that? Anybody gone through that yet? <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, well, again, as Lori said, it, it took time to resolve it. Uh, it wasn't one conversation, it was multiple conversations. And um, again, through God's grace, um, I became convicted that I needed to have more of a, an attitude of selflessness as opposed to selfishness because, hey, I, I'm not a great golfer, but I was actually a lot better then than I am now. Um, but, you know, it just took a lot of time. It, it, it did essentially take the whole day. By the time you get up, you go, you golf, you sit down and have a Diet Coke. Well, I was drinking Diet Coke uh, afterwards and whatnot. It takes, it takes too long. But, um, you know, so I, I came to the realization through God's grace and mercy and time that, um, you know, I needed to change my behavior. And this, this is an example of the graces that God gives us when we do those. The Spirit moves within us. We don't understand necessarily the, the theology or the doctrine behind it, but uh, this, this was to be the case for us on many different occasions. Um, so I want to kind of take us back now to the passage we just read and, and dig a little deeper. I'm not going to read the passage, but in, in Ephesians uh, 5, Paul calls the, uh, the, marriage, the marriage bond a mystery. And that word is used in Scripture on a number of different occasions. Um, it's, always some, it's also something that we would call the Trinity. Uh, none of us really understand the Trinity, if we're really honest. We, we believe it. The Bible surely teaches it uh, clearly. Uh, but we just, there's facets of the ministry that, uh, the, the, excuse me, the Trinity that we just don't really get. Um, but we know the Father, Son, and the Spirit always have been, they are, and they always will be. Um, one of, I think, a lot of our favorite writers, C.S. Lewis, came up with a concept he called the dance. And I'm going to read a quote from him. He said, God is not a static thing, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a kind of dance. So we have this one God and three persons, they know and love each other, um, they exalt one another, they commune with one another, and then at the appropriate times they defer within, with one another. 
In one of his other books, uh, Tim Keller talks about this. He calls it the great dance. And he says, can you just imagine picturing three orbits that are perfectly interfacing with each other, interacting with each other, each serving the other. And this is the type of thing that occurred with the Trinity um, in eternity past, uh, which again, we don't understand, but Jesus kind of, uh, you know, he kind of uh, pointed that out in his great high priestly prayer in John 17, where he said, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world began. Um, so their interaction between each other, we get a couple glimpses, glimpses of the, that interaction in scripture. Can anybody think of one where you see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit together? Baptism. The baptism, absolutely. It's a beautiful picture when as you know, Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water, you hear the voice of the Father, you see the spirit of the dove descending. Another place which is not quite as intuitive is in creation, where we know God the Father was there. We know it talks about the spirit hovering over the deep. Um, and then we know from Revelation and John and whatnot that it was the Son, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's our, that's our Lord. And so you see a beautiful picture of the Trinity there. So, so here's, here's really the point we're trying to get to, um, and that is to glorify others as we wish to do as husband and wife means that we need to unconditionally serve them. And unconditional anything is hard. Uh, Collins taught us that, and we heard this morning, unconditional love that's the kind of love we need to have for those around us and that's obviously the kind of love we need to have between the two of us um and and also when that love is given it's not to get something out of it you know marriages should be the last relationship we ever have in which we keep a scorecard right we give something because we hope to either build up points or to give something in return um so that's the kind of um approach that we're being taught slowly through scripture that we should have in our relationship. And we see this again, of course, in the Philippians passage where the, the father and the son are pouring out love and joy and adoration for each other. And then, you know, for the purpose of what? Infinitely seeking God's glory. Um, but did we get all that in our marriage? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so family relationships, can be really challenging and would you agree with that <laughs> yeah not extended family yeah is extended what I'm, I'm family saying is what you're about. you know siblings parents whatever two sets of parents or more sets if there's divorces and all that it's just it can be challenging and ours was no exception um, we lived away for only 18 years and then we moved to Spokane where all of my siblings and uh, parents live in the state of Washington. So all those years when we were away, they got together on holidays and, you know, just whatever they could think of, they would all get together. So when we got back here, because I'd been so jealous of their time when they passed the phone around, I know back to no FaceTime, whatever, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it was, it was hard. So, I got here and I'm like, well, yeah, we're going to spend everything get together all when they do. Um, Stan had a different uh, opinion on that. I think because we'd been away, we kind of formed our own family unit and our, you know, things that we did together on certain holidays had kind of some things. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, and I was jealous of that time. I just thought that's what we should always do. Right, so it was, I want all in, and he wants none of that. And so that actually for many, many years caused a problem. We, you know, my, my family gatherings were typically at least 30 people, and they were chaotic. And Christmas, I think, was <clears throat> an exceptionally hard time with no Christ followers. It was all about Santa and you know, what the world says Christmas should be. So that's what our kids were hearing no matter what we tried to say. So I think that also made it uh, very hard. Um, and yeah, it became a, a serious point of contention with us that 
Really, I mean, if we're honest, it probably was the, the most difficult, co contentious point we had in our marriage. Not that we're perfect. We don't have a perfect marriage. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But this really it lasted was, a long time and, a, and caused a lot of a lot of ugly contentiousness, feelings, a lot of ugly words. Yes. So, in these two examples that you set up, um, were you seeking other godly couples? Well, interestingly enough, no. Um, being in the military, we moved a lot, and it was hard to ever get really involved in a church or with a couple. So all those years, if we had issues, it, we just... Yeah, we tried to resolve them ourselves, and, and I think your point is beautifully yeah. made. And we would encourage you to do exactly <coughs> what Cindy's saying you need to do. We didn't do it for any number of reasons. We were either stubborn or we just figured we could figure it out ourselves. We didn't have the relationships that we had hoped to have. But even in the, in the other years, as we got into the more serious issues around family, we were involved in churches and even yeah. to some extent small groups. So, no, we neglected that resource. Yeah. And so... Uh, it probably I, lengthened the time that we spent. Oh, absolutely. Because we were not seeking counsel. And so that's a, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, yeah. To have a kind of a network around you that you can go to. And I think... A standpoint of I, I think stubbornness probably you know you kind of get into a church and you want to present this image and it just doesn't feel good to bury your soul to somebody and let them know how ugly it you are inside you yeah. know I don't even want to admit to myself how ugly I am inside so um, you know and in the scheme of things this doesn't sound probably on the surface like a big deal but it became a big deal. It really was. And, you know, um, and, you know, again, through God's grace and time, we worked through it. Uh, a lot of it was, I think, alleviated or mitigated when, you know, the kids got older and it became easier to, to do different things. But, you know, don't get the impression that, that uh, she believes that, that, you know, this was something that she was or I was 100% responsible no, for. No, absolutely it was, not. It was a joint thing. I had my own selfishness, and again, she maybe her I. expectations had right. <laughs> expected too much as well. Um, but you know, my initial intention was not to spend any of those important holidays with family, and I kind of called Thanksgiving and Christmas, Christmas and, and, and Resurrection Sunday weekend as kind of the important ones. But it's kind of not fair just to take all those off the table and say, those are mine, and we're just going to be a family together with those, even though that was what I tried to do <laughs> at some point in time. Yeah. So anyway, is that kind of a family yeah. uh, conflict or contentiousness or tension? Let's call it tension. Anybody experience that? Huh? Anybody want to talk about it? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, we get that. We really do. So again, I would take us back to our passage to, to really focus and orbit around <coughs> truth. Um, and, and I think this passage goes a long way in, in dealing with these kind of conflicts. Um, at best, it stops them dead in their tracks. And at least, or at worst, it shortens the time that you, know, you take to resolve them if you have, uh, have that perspective of, I'm going to be looking for ways I can serve my spouse. I'm going to be looking for ways to be selfless and not selfish. Let me read a passage because if I paraphrase it, I would not do it justice from the meaning of marriage that really kind of brings us home in, re in terms of the relationship between the father and the son. And think about, as I read this, how this applies to a marriage and the orbits that we orbit in in our marriage. The son, and we have these, we have these roles, headship, submission, and 
you know, we often get confused in those roles for many different reasons. Primarily, the world has no clue what that means, and they try and dictate or um, tell us what that means. But Scripture tells a totally different story. The son submits to the father's headship with free, voluntary, and joyful eagerness, not out of coercion or inferiority. Now, what Kathy is saying here is that's the approach she wants to take, and she wants to encourage all wives to take relative to their husband. Let me read that again. Free, voluntary, and joyful eagerness, not out of coercion or inferiority. The father's headship is acknowledged in reciprocal delight, respect, and love. There's no inequality of ability or dignity. We are differently gendered to reflect this life within the Trinity. Male and female are invited to mirror and reflect the dance of the Trinity. Um, loving, self-sacrificing authority and loving, courageous submission. Let me read that again. Loving, self-sacrificing authority, there's the headship, and loving, courageous submission. And there's a submission. Uh, the son takes a subordinate role, and in that mo movement, he shows not his weakness, but his greatness. This is one of the reasons why Paul can say that the marriage mystery gives us insight into the very heart of God in the work of our salvation, as he says in Ephesians 5. So um, that's, that's what we're trying to uh, emphasize, and, and hopefully as we kind of talk through this, it's becoming more and more clear to you. Um, and, you know, the reason we're up here is because we didn't understand that. We didn't understand neither the mechanics or the practice of that, and we didn't definitely understand the doctrine and the theology of that. Um, but the very good news for us and the very good news for you is that it's never too late in your marriage to start that understanding. And, and we hope that this today might play a small role in that. Um, Another example of difficulty in our marriage is in an area that's very private, but it's also very prevalent in any marriage. And I'm sure you can probably guess where I'm going with this, and that is in the role of intimacy or sex. Um, this is usually not an issue when couples are young and virile, and there's one other factor. Anybody guess what that is? Childless, okay? <laughs> Having children changes things a little bit. Um, but as you have children, uh, the little ones come along, um, you know, if, if us guys are honest with ourselves, we don't really understand all the dynamics and the impact of how that changes that particular facet of our life. Uh, we complicate this further by the way we're wired, right? Us guys are, you know, we're wired in such a way that, you know, we, we kind of get motivated in a very short amount of time. And it doesn't take much to drive us to the point of deciding that we would like to be intimate with our wife, right? Matter of fact, I've often heard it said that there's no unit of time that's small enough to measure how long that takes. Um, you know, mom, on the other hand, you know, she works hard all day um, trying to interpret and, and deal with her little ones um, and, you know, also doing all the various household things that need to be done while dad's away at work so let, let me or she's working or she's working yeah and there's and there's obviously an additional stress that is brought on by that so let me kind of play this scenario for you and it, i think it's probably pretty familiar so dad is coming home from work and he drives up the driveway and on the radio he hears their song so all of a sudden dad is and that's all it takes, is kind of in the mood. And so he opens the door and he sees his gorgeous, beautiful wife. What he doesn't notice is he's, she's got one child hanging from a breast and she's got another one screaming from the bathtub. Uh, but all he sees is this twinkling eyes, or he, what he thinks are twinkling eyes, who is really, really ready to be receptive to his overtures. Well, wrong, you know. But the amazing thing is, you would think that this lesson would be understood fairly quickly. But um, <laughs> no, it, 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 and this 
may sound like an embellishment, but it utterly, utterly took years to learn it doesn't really work that way. Um, so I, I guess I would ask you in general terms, and I'm looking for an answer here, what, what is going on with the husband? What, how would you describe the husband in this particular scenario? Anybody want to take a stab at that? Selfish. <laughs> there you go. Selfish, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. There's that word. <laughs> Absolutely. He's in, as I was, or this fictional dad was, uh, he was in serve me mode, right? He was in come into my orbit, orbit around me mode. Um, and, and the poor wife is either unwilling or unable to, to do that, and things kind of go sideways. <laughs> And I have to say, on my side, I was really not understanding of the way men are wired differently than women. That was a long process for me. Um, I found myself being very selfish and it's unwilling to work on my attitude. And the more he pushed, the more I pulled back. Um, I, it was I, I, my attitude was terrible and. Why should I do something when I'm not in the mood? And so many years into this conflict, and it was years that we struggled with this part of our <coughs> marriage, um, I went to a cl class called Women Aware and Choosing. I don't, I've never seen it offered again but uh, at any church, but it was all about becoming more aware of your husband, actually what his desires are, and then with the Holy Spirit's help, learning to serve him in a capacity that is important to him. It, it means a lot of compromise, and it needs, you know, you just pray that the Spirit will, together you can work on that compromise, but it is a compromise, you know. You'd, one way is not always right. It, and, and as, as he read in the passage, the worth and dignity is not different. Women don't have a, a, a lesser worth in your marriage. So it's, it's, a, it's a talking together about it. But um, yeah, that, that class really opened up my eyes to just how selfish I was being. So. Yeah, and, and you know, again, I, I'm right there in terms of having to understand it. I'm going a little bit off script here, great peril to myself. but. Um, you know, this, this part of our life, this intimacy part, us guys really take a lot of understanding and nurturing and explanation. I mean, and I, I'm not trying to be crass here, but you know, we, we think of intimacy sometimes, even as we get older, as you know, kind of going through a fast food lane, and it's, you know, as opposed to um, a very nice meal which has uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, an appetizer, this and that and whatnot. And it takes time to build, to have the kind of relationship and intimacy that you, that you want to have and that your spouse, your wife, needs to have to be able to get to that point. So, again, this lesson did not occur in terms of weeks or months or, well, unfortunately, it was years. years. Uh, so all I would say to you husbands, and we can talk more about this in any way you'd like to, but is you need to really, really communicate and work hard to communicate with your, with your wife. And that's not something that comes natural for us. We're kind of like, uh, we're, we're let, let me fix the problem, boom, it's fixed, and we're good to go type. So just keep that in mind as, as time goes on. Um, so what we're trying to be explicit here, uh, and we may be beating a dead horse, but is to convey that the, the husband is to be what, you know, scripture really calls the servant leader. And notice the order of that, servant leader. We're to serve first and only when we do that well with God's help can we actually be the leader. Anybody? Think of a really amazing example of that in the New Testament that we, here's a hint, we kind of talked about it. Colin taught us through it just a few, I guess it was a few months ago. Mm -hmm. any, any thoughts there? Where did you see an example of unbelievable 
servant leadership. Thank mm -hmm. you. You don't need to turn there, but let me just read a brief portion of that scripture in John 13. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe, him, wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I mean, when we reviewed that passage as Colin was teaching it, I think we all just got a fresh reminder of uh, how incredibly awesome that was. And, and Lori's gonna tell you about something we observed at a wedding that was really amazing. Yeah, this that uh, was incorporated into the wedding ceremony that it, it took place by a creek and the couple together went down and dipped a bucket into the water and then they brought it back and then they took off their shoes and began to wash each other's feet trying to cement that as at the beginning of their marriage of servanthood to each other which is you know it's the best picture that you can have is yeah. jesus doing that to his it disciples. was one of those moments where you just it's like wow that, aha yeah. i've never seen that done since and and you don't have a creek at your disposal everywhere <laughs> but it was just an amazing it picture was. from a, a a young um christ-following couple that has stuck with us and will, and will always stick with us and really brings home the whole point here um so husbands i would say remember that any exercise of power can only be done when it's done in the mindset of service to the other uh, and not to please yourself. Um, so do we get that in our marriages? Do we understand that? Is that something that's intuitive? Uh, no. But the words like sacrifice and selflessness and service, those are the kind of words that we want to become a part of your filter. Believe me, we're still working on that ourselves. We think of things about doing something and we're getting better about being in the habit of, is this selfless? Am I thinking with a mindset of serving her um, in this? And if, if, I'm do, if I do so, am I doing it with the right motives? Am I wanting to serve her so I can, again, get, a, get some points for something I might want later? Or am I doing it because um, I want to be sacrificial and unconditional in my love for her? And again, this is really just done in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's no other way, because this is, it's just not something that comes natural to no. anybody. Right. Um, so, and to wives, you know, I think understanding the husband's role um, and making our sacrificial submission to him should be less intimidating. As, as we said before, it's a gift offered rather than a duty coerced yeah. uh, and grudgingly given. Yeah. Um, so we have a couple questions for you that you're going to have to answer before we let you leave. <laughs> no, we're just kidding. Just, just to generate some discussion here. Um, what would you say if I asked you the question, as a Christ follower, what are you preparing your spouse for? In your relationship, what are you preparing your spouse for? Or had you ever thought yeah. that you were preparing your spouses and, and, for something? And the answer were, look, I'm sure any answers you give me would be correct. So don't get intimidated. But there's one answer that we're looking for that this was something that was really made fresh and new to us just in the last few months, actually, right. as a part of uh, our um, discussions with, uh, with Kate and, and Bethany and, the, and their premarital counseling. Any thoughts? What are we preparing our spouses for? What should we be? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Being, being grown, matured, changed to the point of being ready for what? For glory. I mean, that's, that's the concept that is used in this book, and so... I'll admittedly say we stole that, but um, we should be preparing our spouses for glory. When you have that mindset, it changes everything. And now, it's not one that we ever no. 
ever thought of. That yeah. you know, it's just like we're we're just called to you know, yeah. I don't know, present. I'm in a, a, a godly front, and you know, I mean, I just didn't realize how much you're supposed to be working on. Yeah, we have to remember that that Jesus does give us a glimpse of eternity, where we know that marriage as we know it will not be the same there. Um, so with that in mind, we know we should really cherish the time that we have in our marriages here, but cherish that with a mindset toward, I want to do everything I can for my spouse to get him or her ready for the time that she's going to spend in eternity and glory. And how can I do that? And it's through kind of what we talked about here that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have demonstrated to us so beautifully uh, in this passage that, that, we could, that we're able to do that. Second question for you, and I really need an answer from you on this one, okay? <laughs> what, what can we do if one of the two in the couple kind of lags behind a bit and is slow in understanding or buying into these roles? <coughs> what, what can we do? What should you do? Yeah. Everybody hear that? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yep. Take care of the one thing that you can control. Tend to the one thing you can change, and that's yourself. No, it doesn't. We have some friends going through some of that, and she just keeps asking me, what can I do? And I said, obviously pray for his attitude, but you can't do anything about it. You can only do something about yourself. And that is what God has called you to do, like you said. It may not be reciprocal. Maybe never. Hopefully, that, uh, prayerfully, that's not the case, but you still you're, have to do This is what you're called to do. Yes. For the joy of the Lord. The joy comes through doing it, not necessarily through the consequences of it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and you know, we've said before, that's anything that you do should not be for what you're going to get from this. This is because God has called you to do this, and that's where your joy comes from, is obeying him. And again, as we said at the top, that, that kind of approach only happens in, in the power of the Spirit, and that's so why we need to work hard as a couple to be in tune, to have 
unconfessed sin in our lives taken care of and, and to, to strive on a daily basis to keep him on the throne of our lives so that this possibility can become a reality. You know, we have a few minutes left, so I'm going to say, anybody have any questions? That, you may have questions that have nothing to do with anything we talked about or it may have something to do with it. Does anybody have any questions you want to throw out there and let us kick around for a little bit? <clears throat> I just want to make clear, like, what if the other spouse has you know, toxic, abusive, and, mm. you know, and that's probably quite common, too. You know, mm-hmm. hear that from neighbors or from TV all the time. Yeah. In that case, I mean, probably, I personally, I just don't think, yeah, no, the, the spouse that are that is being abused and should still submit and still keep serving. You know, like, I still think about personal safety yeah, and, and we'll be quick to say we've never specifically dealt with that, but what little we would say, and then we would turn it over to a professional like Jim, um, we would say obviously the first thing is, to, is to, to, to get the individual out of the environment where the abuse is, is occurring. Uh, if, if, it's a, if it's a Christ-following couple that are just really in the weeds, then obviously some very significant counseling is is due to both partners um, and then go from there. But with that, I'll be quiet and let Jim ask. No, I mean, I think the answer well. I think the thing is that, that uh, so think about it this year, Harris, is that every individual person is accountable for their own behavior. And so if someone's misbehaving, that has to be addressed. And for sure, I would say where there's abuse happening, Whoever the abused is doesn't mean like I just hate this, right? Or I, I just got some somehow swallow this because Jesus was abused, so I should receive the abuse. No, I mean it's appropriate to say to if it was a marriage, if you don't talk to somebody about what you do, you're fine. And so we're always individually accountable for God for our behavior. So in, in situations like that, I would just say. It's totally uh, understandable and difficult that the abuse draws attention to the abuse and the fact that should be addressed. It's just that I think where you were asking the question from was does submission or thinking about sacrificing for the other person create a context where it can actually fuel the abuse? And and I don't think it should. I mean, you have to to hold each individual person accountable. We're, we're talking more of, I, I don't know, just not, not to the point of any kind of abuse because that, that's, a, that's a totally different... Uh, there is, but the, the spectrum of abuse is so wide. Even the couple that she referred to that Lori's still working with counseling, the, the wife, I would have wanted to and still want to counsel the husband because he's actually the source of a lot of it, but the wife hasn't given us, me permission to do that yet. Um, it's abuse of the sense that, you know, he just takes advantage of me in terms of, you know, I just do these bare minimum things for him and he never is pleased or he never expresses thanks or he takes me for granted and that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's maybe not the traditional sense of abuse. That's just kind of a relationship failures in a marriage. But nevertheless, um, you know, it needs to be addressed. And and especially in a, a in a Christ-following couple, as this this particular couple is, um, there's avenues to do that. So, thank you for that question, by the way. Not an easy one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a real conflict. 
Mm-hmm. My wife, because she grew up with both didn't grow up a lot of means, but um, my wife is more uh, worried about poor um, stewardship. I I'm more prone to just not think about stewardship. Like, okay, let's help this or do this or do that. So I just would encourage you, I mean, be as proactive as you can, whether it's, again, so sexual intimacy is is one of those things. Um, I mean, I love the ones you guys gave about, like hobbies, you know. uh, But try to get an idea of what are those areas in your life that could be possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other one is, uh, my wife's the disciplinarian. I'm the one that Amanda comes to when she wants to. And she'll see me as enabling. Right. I'll see her yes. as diminishing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so raising children brings out yeah, yeah, it, amazing it really does differences. So I, I think, you know, try to be really proactive about yes. And that's why we love premarital counseling so much. Is that a lot of times that's where you kind of surface right. you know, these differences. And it's the communication. I mean, Stan is in the past, not as much now, but was the problem solver in his head, never in his out loud voice, and all of a sudden comes to me with a solution to a problem, but it's just like, but there was no talking through it. It was just, okay, this is what we're going to do. It's like, but wait a minute, we didn't even talk. And I may agree with what he's decided, but that process wasn't there. And for us females, we need to be verbal. We need to have this ability to talk with you and figure this out together. So, any other questions? We'll give you. Yes, sir. Yes. So, we have a six-month-old baby, and we've gotten more fights or arguments in the last six months than we did those first four years. Absolutely. Known each other. Yep. (laughs) When you first have like a disagreement or like a frustration or you're annoyed with each other, even like more so today because I'm interested in what like the mature response would be. (laughs) What is your like immediate thought process or in like verbal response? Because eye rolling and my head shaking when she's speaking isn't doing the trick. Oh, were you? (laughs) That is a shock. It is a shock, but I continue I know. to do it. So. Yes. <laughs> As Stan said, it's, sometimes it takes us a long time to figure out, huh, that's really not the best response. <laughs> what, what's the worst thing? What's the worst possible thing you can say as a guy to a gal? Please calm down. <laughs> just like, that's just like igniting. <laughs> that's like igniting the boosters. But no, I don't, I don't make a lot of your question. Uh, it's, um, it's a tough one. It is, and, and you're right. That first child will take you to where you've never been before and had no idea you were going. Uh, and in many ways, that's really great, but in many ways, it's also really difficult. So the fact that you now recognize that and you can talk with your wife about that, that you know, these, these are tough times of adjustment. We need to really be, have a super dose of God's graciousness and mercy toward each other and realize that everything that we say, um, you know, we can't take it personal, even though if it, it might be meant personally. And, and sometimes you have to cool off first before you can come together and <laughs> obviously no eye rolling or interrupting that um, most women are much more verbal when they're talking through something. It's not always that way. And the guys just, again, want to jump in with their own solution. And you, part of your growing relationship is learning to listen well. Yeah. Or instead of listening, I'm sure you guys are not guilty of any of this, but you're trying to think of a response while she's talking. Exactly. You're so you're not anymore. actually hearing. You might have heard the first three words, and you say, "How am I going to respond to this? Let me work out. Let me work it out here." And then, boom. Again, come with the solution. It's like that's not what I was looking for right this minute. Sometimes we just need to, bleh, and and let it out, and just you just be quiet, and just let me word vomit, and then 
I'll eventually come around to where I can, I can chat with a solution. But often it isn't like immediately, at least I'm just speaking from my own experience, when I'm ready to dive into a serious, how are we going to solve this kind of thing. Yeah. But that's really good to be pre preventative yeah. because things, it's, it's kind of like as our kids became teenagers, it's like think through situations that might happen as a, you know, if a girl, you know, a guy comes at you and wants to do, how, how are you going to take care of that? Or people are offering you things. It's, that starts with you now, as, as he said, kind of developing a strategy and talk when you are both calm about things. You know, and when you're in a good place, because yeah, in the heat of the battle, nothing is going to get accomplished. And I'd say too, you want to try to find something that can, you can do first. Always be the first to say I'm sorry. Yeah. There you go. Whether you, yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, we, sometimes again, I mean, there, there can be a moment as clear villains and victims. Yeah. I think we're all more prone to be villains. Yeah. But so when you're in a relationship and you were wrong. We feel like we, we won't move until later. Exactly. And I'd say be first to move. And that, that's the selfless love we're talking about, is being willing to be the one to say, I'm sorry. And that's not easy. Yeah. When you know you were wrong, it was just, no. but that's, that gets the conversation going in a more positive direction. Hey, we're going to stick around here for a few minutes. If you have any questions, come up and talk to us. But we want to make sure we are cognizant of time and whatnot. So here's a couple summary thoughts to take with you. Um, ask yourself this question. How can I more effectively show my desire to serve my spouse? To serve my spouse, keeping in mind that I do so by following the examples of Jesus that apply to us both. So if you take anything away from... Uh, here today please take that husbands I'm saying this to you treat your wives like the royalty they are next to Jesus they hold the highest place of honor or should hold the highest place of honor in your life and love on them often and in different ways and different circumstances not I'm not talking in terms of loving on them that you're hoping will lead to a time of intimacy just love on them hold their hands put your arms around them you know, um, do the dishes, change dirty diapers. <laughs> okay, those things but that, too. Those are so meaningful. Yeah. yeah, and then and then think think ahead. Try and be proactive. How can I serve her? Not just reactionary. Okay, how can I serve? And that's good. That's the first step. But think of things proactively. I know she's got this coming up. How can I proactively serve her today with the right motivation? doing so with a with a god honoring motive and wives i think just honoring your husband um figuring out what's most important to him and as much as you can again through the power of the holy spirit um make it happen and i think 
respecting each other uh, amongst other people. Um, and maybe you don't deal with this, but I, when we were in the Marine Corps, I was surrounded by non-Christians and the wives would get together and they'd start bad-mouthing their husbands. I mean, not telling, you know, cute little stories, but I'm talking about very personal things they had no business talking about. And I'm just cautioning you guys to just stay always away from that discussing anything like that with anybody else. You know, if you have a problem and you have a, a couple or a person that's your mentor and, and, you know, that's a whole different thing. But anytime you're just kind of talking about things that are are, are not uplifting, that's, that's a bad place to be. And remember in scripture, as we talk some about today, that the sexes, are, you know, they're equal in dignity and worth. Yeah. There's no, no discussion, and they're complementary by God's design, and, and they complete each other. When is the only time in Scripture that we see God doing something, and then as a result of what he did, say it wasn't good? Now, when he created Adam, he wasn't saying Adam wasn't good. Adam was perfect. But he saw that and knew that Adam needed to be completed, and the only way that Adam would be completed would be with Eve. So that's a, that's a beautiful reminder that we complete each other. I know that's uh, maybe an in vogue romantic thing, but that's scriptural. That is right from the very beginning. And I'm sure we'll talk about that when Colin starts talking us oh, through about Genesis. Genesis. Yeah. Um, and so remember that often and together, the submission applies to both within the marriage relationship. The wife's submission in marriage to her husband is is a gift offered and not a duty coerced. The husband's submission to Christ and sacrificial authority is for the purpose of lifting his wife in glory. No. And remember, remember, remember that we have the ultimate example, and that is, in fact, Jesus, is the model for both. And we talked about that phrase, Jesus roles. He, he's given us these roles, sacrificial authority, sacrificial submission. So, um, Thanks for your attentiveness. Let me close with prayer. And again, we'll sit up here for a few minutes. If you want to come talk about something, please do come up. Father, again, thank you for this most precious time you've blessed us with. Thank you most of all for the wisdom that you impart to us and grace and mercy. Not that we deserve any of it. And oftentimes we don't even get what you're telling us. But thank you for being patient with us, forgiving us, being repetitious with us and ultimately teaching us everything that we need to know through mm -hmm. not only your word, but through the spirit in which you've put within us. Mm -hmm. We pray for these sessions going forward, pray specifically for Dan and Mindy next week, that you'll be with them as they prepare and for all of those that attend. So again, thank you for your many, messi uh, many mercies and blessings, but most of all, thank you for Jesus in his name we pray, amen. amen.